My name is Jenny, and I'm a wife and mom raising two kids. But I used to live a more glamorous life as a TV reporter. I was on the nightly news interviewing pop stars and politicians. So when I said goodbye to TV and hello to motherhood, I suddenly discovered what we moms are up against. We live in a world that tells us to be rich and famous, thin and successful. You know, almost nobody says, oh, hey, you're a mom? That is fabulous. But you are fabulous, and I'm here to tell you why. It's Channel Mom with Jenny Dean Schmidt. We're here for you. Yes, please know that we are here for you. And today we're going to do a little bit different approach on the show, which I hope is going to be a help and an encouragement and a blessing to you. Have you ever noticed as a woman that you find it hard to like people if you think they don't have any problems. <laughs> if you think that everything's okay in their life and they have a fabulous home and a beautiful family and, and you know, they're a size two and everything always goes well for them. And it's a little harder sometimes to like folks that seem like they're perfect. And my goal today is to express to you some of my problems, some of my past in a way that I hope helps you to see, first of all, that you're not alone. Second of all, to help you understand why I want to help you as a mom. I want to help your family. I want to help your husband if you have one. I want to help you if you're a single mom. I want to help your kids because of my past. If you're a longtime listener, you may have heard my story before, but I'm sure there'll be something new in it that you haven't. And my, my goal really is today, not actually to get you to like me, I'm not telling you that I'm not perfect just so that you'll like me. More than that, it's just to say, hey, I'm going to be real today on the show. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my past that you may not have heard about because I want you to understand why this show is so important. There's some stories in there that are surprising. They're shocking. There's a miracle or two in my estimation. And I'm hoping that it's one of those stories where you'll go away and you'll say, I needed to hear that today because it helped put things in perspective for me in my life. Because my goal is to be here for you, not for me, for you. And for God. So I really just want to do the right thing for you and to give honor to him today. So I hope you will stick around for my story. To start it all out, I want to play a little song for all the moms out there. Because I have been playing this song lately as my own anthem. That no matter where you are in your faith walk, whether you believe wholeheartedly in God and follow the Bible literally, which is where I come from and didn't used to, by the way, uh, or whether where you are where I used to be, which is that you just don't know what you think about God, or maybe you're even an atheist, I want you to listen to the song and think about the hope and the promises that God gives to us that you can really hold on to, even on your most frustrating days as a mom, your most difficult days as a wife, your darkest days if, you're, if you do not have a husband or if you've lost someone or if you feel like you've lost your own future. I want you to listen to this song and be encouraged. So your life feels like it don't make sense And you think to yourself I'm a good person so why do these things keep happening? Why you gotta deal with them? You may be knocked down now, but don't forget what he said.
He said, group, group one crew, who I really like. I really like them. I hope that was an encouragement to you today because that's my goal, to encourage moms, to give you great advice and information because I really believe that much of the media doesn't do that for you. As I am fond of saying, they often want to sell you stuff in the commercial, but they don't care much about encouraging a mom in her daily life when it comes to the content that's on the airwaves and on all the screens, and we have a lot of screens nowadays. I feel like often moms are forgotten in the media. And I know personally that they are because I used to work in the media. And this is the beginning of my story. Uh, I grew up in a, a very uh, healthy family for the most part. Uh, I love my parents. Thank God they're still alive. It was a very intellectual family. Uh, we didn't you know, really have a explicit faith in God. We kind of sort of went to church but didn't... Uh, follow the Bible or claim Christ or uh, have a strong walk with God. So I grew up in this family where we relied on education and accomplishments and uh, our brains and our minds and the things that we wanted to do in this world to get ahead and uh, to establish ourselves in terms of a career. So at a pretty young age, I decided I wanted to, well, how old was I? you know, about 11 or 12, I decided I wanted to be a television reporter. And here's what led up to that. Because I didn't have a strong faith in God, I was somebody who was really vulnerable to fear. And there were a couple incidents in my life that only served to further this fear. Number one, when I was about five years old, I came down with meningitis, and it was the most dangerous kind, I believe. We were in Canada on a trip. My parents had to bring me to a hospital. Uh, I believe that I heard the doctor say that he thought I only had a 50-50 chance of living. I remember them putting me into sort of a quarantined room. They told my parents that they had to leave at a certain hour, and my parents abided by that. So I remember standing in the 10th-story window of this Canadian hospital where they primarily spoke French, so I didn't understand most of them. I remember getting up, being very sick, and standing in this 10th-story window to look for my parents in the parking lot as they left the building. And as they walked away, I remember thinking that this could be the last time I saw them because this little girl that I was thought she was going to die. And so... That was the first episode for me, and I lived. And uh, then when I was 11, I was growing up in Minnesota and uh, went sledding. And when my friend's dad took me home and dropped me off from going sledding, I got out of the car and slammed the door. It was an evening time, so it was dark out. And my scarf got caught in the door. And the gentleman did not see that my scarf was caught in the door, so he drove away in his Cadillac, dragging me behind him. So I remember thinking, I'm going to die now. And I remember picturing that I was underneath the car. And with a vague faith that I had of a child at that point, I said, God, thank you for a good life. And I remember sort of folding up and waiting to die. And the car kept dragging me and kept dragging me and I, nothing was happening. So I finally got the courage to open my eyes and I could see that I was 
on the side of the car, kind of by the wheel and um, where the wheel well was, and that my glasses were about to fall off, and I was worried about my glasses, so I remember trying to stay still as I was dragging on my back. And I reached up on the wheel well and tried to push myself away from the car. We'd been dragging, I'd been dragging for about a mile and a half, and we entered a highway, and when we entered that highway, uh, cars behind me started to blink their lights and honk their horns at the man driving. And I remember him pulling over and stopping. And I was, you know, lying there beside his car with my scarf still in his door. And I remember all these people gathering around me and looking at me to see if I was okay. And I remember looking up kind of like an emergency room scene where you look up at the doctors. And I remember saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I had lived through that. And by the way, not an injury, nothing on my body. Later that day, that later that evening when I went home, my parents didn't even believe I'd been dragged because I looked so okay. And uh, that evening, I remember going into my room and thinking, I think I've done something to make God angry because he keeps trying to kill me. He's just missing, apparently. And I remember thinking, I've got to do something to please God. And I, I developed all these superstitions and habits and things that I had to say out loud to God to make him happy with me. And uh, it became a life of trying to please God. And I had kind of a vague concept of who he was. And I was a very frightened person. So that turned into ambition. I thought, I've got to accomplish great things with my life. And that was where the TV reporting desire came from. So I will tell you the rest of the story after the break about how I became a TV reporter, what happened to me, how I saw and bought into what happens in our popular culture, what we value, what we value in our media, how that made me a person that could do no good for our world. So when we return, I'll tell you the rest of our story and the hope that's in it for you. So stay tuned for Channel Mom. If you are a mom who wants your kids to grow up and love going to the dentist, then I have to tell you about Pediatric Dental Group of Colorado. As a one-time patient myself and now the mother of patients, I know firsthand they understand the unique needs of children, especially when it comes to the subject of dentistry. Dr. Strange and Dr. Cathers not only care about making the dental visit fun and rewarding, they also strive to help children learn to be good dental patients. They do this by coaching the child and the parent, encouraging good oral health care, and providing high-quality dental treatment. This is accomplished in a fun and child-friendly atmosphere. All of the pediatric dentists and orthodontists have two years of additional training beyond dental school. They are board certified and specialize in the dental care of infants, children, and young adults. The dental team is uniquely qualified to take care of your child during their dental visit. The Pediatric Dental Group is proud to have locations in Arvada, Wheat Ridge, Lakewood, Lafayette, and Evergreen. You have to find out more, and you can do so at pediatricdentalgroupco.com. These days, couples will work for just about anything, from communication Hello. to companionship, from fun Whee! to love, from passion <laughs> and purpose to good old intimacy. <sighs> What are you willing to work for? For a better marriage, come to a relationship workshop sponsored by the Colorado Healthy Marriage Project. To learn more, visit mary-well.org or call 720-488-8888 because relationship education works. Funding provided by U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, ACF Grant 90, FE 51. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions are those of the author. Choose me first. 
Yes. I am less than perfect. I don't know about you, but I sure am. Hey, look, you know, the reason I'm telling my story today is because I really have a desire and a hope to have any mom or dad that's out there today help me to help them understand how valuable they are in this world, how treasured they are by the God of the universe, how important they are to their children, how significant your role is as a mom, as a dad, how incredible our families are. They're truly the foundation of our culture, of our society, and we take them for granted and they crumble because we do. And it is proven in research study after research study that we need the family to thrive. And the mother is a significant part of that. And I have come alongside you to say, I'm going to be a part of the media that lifts up moms and families. I'm going to be somebody who tries to make a difference in your life and reminds you how important you are, how significant your job is as a mom, how much we need you to raise your children well, how we want to cheer you on and inform you and equip you to do it well so that our world benefits from it by the grace of God. So that's why I'm telling my story today. Okay, to continue on. So I had some traumas in my childhood that led me to be kind of a fearful person, but also led me to say, I got to do something with my life, partly because I think I was trying to please God and people at the same time. Uh, By the way, in the midst of all this, I vowed that I would marry my nursery school sweetheart. And (laughs) that was one of the ambitious goals that I had. And I did grow up to marry my nursery school sweetheart. So that was kind of cool. We used to sleep on little nursery school mats together, and now we get to sleep in a great big giant bed. That is an upgrade. Okay, so here's my story. After this childhood and after deciding that I wanted to be a television reporter, I became very ambitious and did a lot of internships and projects and wrote a lot of letters to try to get myself in the door in a lot of places. I became a radio disc jockey, believe it or not, way back when I was 16. Uh, I went to college. I ended up doing an internship with BBC TV in London, England. I did... uh, some internships in college with uh, uh, somebody in Hollywood and things to prepare me for the media. I then got a job with ABC News in Washington straight out of college. I was just, you know, a runner of scripts. I wasn't a reporter and uh, went on from ABC News to do a lot of other jobs at a lot of other network places in the industry. I was uh, working for FNN before it became CNBC. I worked for a lot of network affiliates. Uh, Along the way, I became a TV reporter. And let me tell you, I bought into the popular culture value system that says that if you're in the spotlight, if you're on a screen somewhere, if you're popular in the public eye, then you are more important than the rest of society. So I bought into our popular culture glorification of all things that are in the spotlight. I was a television reporter. I've got a little card in the studio here that I used to sign with autographs, uh, just showing that I was significant and important. And society only served to lift me up in that role and tell me that I was important. Ironically, here's what I was doing as a TV reporter. I was telling people about murders and car wrecks and all the bad things that were going on in their community, and yet people thought I was more important because I was on a screen giving them this bad news. So I would go to the local grocery store and people would want my autograph. 
and uh, people made me feel important. And I got to interview a president and I got to fly on a vice president's plane and I got to interview the rich and famous and I got special treatment when I went to restaurants. But oh my goodness, as I look back on that, I see how our popular culture is so twisted because often we honor the things in the spotlight that do nothing for the people in our culture, that do nothing to make families better, that do nothing to make people feel more valued, that do nothing to help us love one another in the society. So when I was a TV reporter, I took those things seriously, that I was more important because I was in the spotlight. So when I became a mom, I suddenly thought that I was less important. And here's what happened. I was on TV in Cleveland. I'd been on TV in a number of markets, and I was on TV in Cleveland. After I had our first child, my son Otis, the news director saw it fit to uh, not re-sign me to the station. So I lost my job. And I had gotten my identity, my sense of importance, my sense of self-worth from being on television. And I'll tell you what, I think in, in all kinds of ways, we all buy into certain things in our culture that make us feel more important. If we have a big house, a nice car, a certain salary, if we have a, wear a certain size dress, if we have a prestigious job, like I thought I did when I was on a TV, we buy into that and that's what gives us our value and significance. Well, that went away and in the end it was a good thing, but at the time it was devastating. So I went into a postpartum depression that I think was partly triggered by no longer having my identity. And I was in that depression for about a year and a half where I was asking all those questions that many people do when they're depressed, which is, why am I here? What's it all for? I'm just going to die someday anyway. My baby's going to die when he grows up. This is all meaningless. I don't understand why I'm alive. I almost felt suicidal. I didn't really um, get to the point where I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't feel like living anymore. And I remember kind of coming to the end of myself. We had moved to Denver, Colorado. My husband got a job here. I had gotten a job in the TV market here in Denver. And I remember feeling like I was at my wit's end and not knowing how I could go on feeling like this for the rest of my life, not thinking I was a very good mom, um, feeling insignificant. I felt insignificant in my motherhood. And I remember crying out to God at that time and saying, you've got to save me from this. And there was a day that came about where my husband was going down to volunteer for a Special Olympics event. And I thought, I'm going to go do that to get outside of myself and get over my own self and my depression. And so I decided to go volunteer for that Special Olympics event. I went down there with our one-and-a-half-year-old son. I remember helping and, and pushing my son around in a stroller or with me in a backpack. And I remember thinking, this isn't helping. I don't feel better. I still feel awful and depressed. I remember walking around a garden and thinking, this isn't helping God. I, something needs to make me feel better. I remember going to my parents' home that same day. They were not at home. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's the day that I went. And I went into their master bathroom. And I remember lying down on their master bathroom floor and crying out to God. And I remember thinking, growing up in the intellectual family that I I did. It's weird to ask Jesus for help. But I thought I'm at the end of myself. So I'm just going to try this. And I said, Jesus, will you please save me? After that, I drove up to our home in the mountains. I had my son with me. I went into our dark home. My husband was not home yet. I remember bringing him up to the changing table in his bedroom and lying him down and flicking on the radio. I was not a Christian yet. I didn't listen to Christian music, but I turned on the radio anyway, lay him down on the changing table, proceeded to change him. Now, remember, he was one and a half, so he didn't talk a lot. As I began to change him, my son reached up for me to hold me and bring me down to himself. And I thought, this is strange. He's never done this before. And I lay down and said, that's great, buddy, but we need to finish changing you because you're a little boy. And 
came back up and continued the changing. He reached up again to pull me down to himself and hold me to his chest. And I thought, this is very strange. Why does he continue to do this? And he repeatedly did it, probably four or five times. And I remember the last time my son reached up to hold me in his baby arms, I thought, it's like he has the strength of a man. It was like his eyes were mature. And he understood that he needed to hold me in that moment. So I took my son's lead and I allowed him to hold me in his arms. And as I lay there in my son's arms, I realized what was on the radio. There was a song on the radio and this was that song. The song was What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And if you know the song, it says, In his arms he will take and shield thee. You will find a solace there, or you will find a comfort there. And that changed everything for me. I stood up and I thought, I really believe that Jesus came to hold me in the form of my baby boy, much like he did 2,000 years ago. So I remember standing up and thinking, if I don't believe it tomorrow, I believe it today. Jesus really does save. He really does love us. He really does answer our prayers and he changes everything. All those things in the spotlight began to pale in comparison to the light that God wants to shed in our lives. And I suddenly realized that God had a calling for me in motherhood. And so that my TV job no longer mattered. What mattered was what God had for me as a mom and what I could give to the world by mothering my children well. And I remember thinking on that day, you know what? I bet every mom out there feels anonymous in her mothering. Because when I was on TV, I felt like I was important and special because I was in the spotlight. And so there are all kinds of moms who think that things in the spotlight are so much more important and so much more esteemed than their job as mothers. And I think that's doing a grave damage to motherhood in our modern culture. Because moms don't think their job is important. So they don't feel like they have to apply themselves to it necessarily. And certainly there are are wonderful mothers out there. But I thought, I want to change this. And I really felt as though God called me to something called Channel Mom, where I would honor moms in the media and bring family back into the spotlight and say, these things are the building blocks of our culture. We need to have great mothers and wonderful families to work. And that is not a condemnation of anybody who's got a broken family. But you know the hurt of a broken family. So I am here to lift up mothers in the media and equip them and inform them with all kinds of great guests who can really encourage you and advise you as to how to do your motherhood well, doing fatherhood well, doing families well. I recently gave a speech where I reminded moms that they teach their children the most important lesson that you can learn on the planet, and that is love. Often, love is first taught by the mother. She has this automatic love for her baby, and so children learn love from their mothers, and boy, don't we hope they learn it well. That is how significant the role of a mom is, and I want to bring that back into vogue in the media 
so that moms understand that they're important, that they're on the screens, that the importance of their job is portrayed in our media through something like Channel Mom. So that's why I do this job, by the grace of God. I hope I can do it well to help thousands, hundreds of thousands of mothers out there to get a hold of the importance of their job and to help them to do it well and to encourage them in their marriages, to encourage them if they're single moms, to encourage dads and children too, to really lift up families in this country and help to bring a tidal wave, a revolution of making the family wonderful and safe again. So, Thanks for listening to my story. I hope you understand why I'm here, and I'm here for you. Please reach out to us at channelmom.com. You can see all these wonderful interviews we've done with folks who are really good at giving moms advice, people that you know, people you've heard of. You can go to channelmom.com and see. Go to our social media, facebook.com, backslash channelmom, and our Twitter page. I'd love to hear from you. I want to hear how I can help you because I know that there are a lot of moms who just want some encouragement today. So stay tuned. I'll tell you what's coming up next week. And I truly hope that you are lifted up today because you are so important, Mom. Stay tuned for Channel Mom. So your life feels like it don't make sense. And you think to yourself, I'm a good person. So why do these things keep happening? Why you gotta deal with them? You may be knocked down now, but don't forget what he said. Hi, this is Jenny, and I want to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Walters. She's a mom to three kids, so she understands that when you buy a home, you want a place where your family can build beautiful memories. As a real estate broker, Michelle can help you find the place you love coming home to, the right home at the best price. Whether you want to buy or sell, start your home search with Michelle Walters at SuburbanDenverProperties.com. You can also find Michelle's weekly blog, The Thinking Mom, on ChannelMom.com. These days, couples will work for just about anything, from communication Hello. to companionship, from fun Whee! to love, from passion Mwah. and purpose to good old intimacy. <sighs> what are you willing to work for? For a better marriage, come to a relationship workshop sponsored by the Colorado Healthy Marriage Project. To learn more, visit mary-well.org or call 720-488-8888 because relationship education works. Funding provided by U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, ACF Grant 90 fe 51 Any opinions, findings, and conclusions are those of the author. I think we all want our children to have healthy relationships when they grow up, healthy marriages. We're going to tell you some amazing new research next week about how to train your children to have great relationships when they grow up. Thanks, moms, for all you do. Dads and kids, too. God bless you. Have a beautiful evening and weekend. Thanks for listening to Channel Mom with Jenny Dean Schmidt. Find podcasts, clips, blogs, and contact information at channelmom.com.